0: in our church and within our own lives and it was a calling for us to come back to where it all started right yeah so just to recap on last week god wants us to move from visitation to habitation from visitation to habitation and we learned that habitation is a dwelling place a place where you make home a place of permanent residence and you see god had requirements in the old testament when he instructed Moses to build the tabernacle he had specific requirements and God also has specific requirements for us as we become the temple for the Spirit of God firstly we need to recognize that we are a temple and that the Lord requires the throne of our lives because whatever is on the throne of our lives becomes the object of our worship and we learned that worship is a lifestyle of obedience and sacrifice and so we're responsible for the atmosphere that we create in our lives. We need to create an atmosphere where the Spirit of God says, you know what, this feels like home. This feels like a place where I'm comfortable. This is the place where I can rest. Yeah. So we need to become a dove-sensitive people because the Holy Spirit doesn't only want to fill us, He wants to rest upon us. Amen. Are yeah. Amen. you right, church? Yeah. <laughs> And when we live a life that is aware of the dove and sensitive to him, then we start to listen to him, follow his lead, and then we start to fulfill the vision of the church. So the Spirit longs to walk with us, he longs to partner with us, but he won't rest in us until certain requirements, atmospheres, or environments are right within our own lives. And last week we also heard how important it is for us to pursue holiness, because we want to host the Holy Spirit. It's not just the Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit. And as the scripture says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So you see, there is something that we have to do in response to what the Lord has done so richly in our lives. But I suppose you may be asking the question, what is holiness? And what does being holy really mean? And how do we become a holy people? And how do we create a healthy church that will be strong for generations? You know, as a church... And remember, we are the church, you and I. The church is not the buildings, the facilities, the land. We are the church. That's right. And we constantly need to focus on what will make our lives and our church healthy for generations. And what will make this church a place of habitation where where we can truly experience the expressions of the Holy Spirit. And there are a number of things that we will focus on as a church to ensure that we are purposeful about heading in the right direction. Specifically, some of them I mentioned to you this morning, but most importantly, number one, we have to have a commitment to read souls. We spoke about that in our Vision Sunday service when there's a calling to come back to the basics of discipleship. Number two, we have to have a commitment, or our church, we need to have a love or a passion for the Word of God. We need to delve ourselves into the Word of God so that we can renew our minds for what the Lord has in store for us. Amen. Number three, our church... Has to have a passion for the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what we're talking about, how to become a place of habitation, but to have the gifts flowing within our own lives and, and the fruit evident in our own lives. And we'll be ministering on that in the weeks and months to come. Number four, our church has to have a passion for worship. Okay. Worship, I believe, we do have a passion for worship and it's already part of our culture and the vision of our church. Number five, we have to have a passion for prayer. This needs to be a house of prayer, and I believe that we're heading in that direction. It's already part of our culture. Number six, we need to be a church that is a giving church, a generous church, if we're going to be strong for generations. And lastly, number seven, what will make our church strong now and for generations to come will be our passion for holiness. Our passion for holiness, and that's really what I'm going to focus on this morning is is a passion for holiness. And what does it mean to be a holy habitation? Amen? Are you excited about that? Yes, I'm excited to share it with you this morning. So we're going to begin in Romans chapter 1 verse 7 this morning where the Apostle Paul writes to the believers in Rome and he writes to all of us because it's to all of us. And he says that we are all called to be saints. The word saint is used there. We're all called to be saints. So according to Romans chapter 1 verse 7, I'm a saint, you're a saint, we're all saints. But what does that really mean? And what is our responsibility to that calling? Well, the word saint is actually the Greek word hagios. And the word hagios is the Greek word for holy. It describes something that is holy, something that is separate, something that has been made different than it used to be, different than anything else. It's so different, in it's so separate that it's in a category all by itself. It's not like anything else. But it's been sanctified, it's been set aside, now it's holy. That is the word hagios, which is used in Romans chapter 1 verse 7, when the Bible says that all of us are called to be saints. And in fact, a better translation would be that we're all called to be holy. We're all called to be separate, and we're all called to be different. Now I want to give you three illustrations of this word holy, the word hagios, just to give you a bit of context on on our subject of holiness this morning. The Bible is called what? It's called the holy Bible. And the word Bible is the Greek word Biblia, and the word Biblia simply means book. So I think we'll all agree that the Bible is a book. But it's not just called the Bible, it's called the Holy Bible. And the Greek word hagios means something that's different, something that's separate, something that's unlike anything else. That means the Bible is not like any other book. You know, you can walk into a library and find a library full of books, and in the library you'll also find the Bible. It may be one book amongst 10,000 of books. But the Bible is different from all other books. Why? Because it's holy, it's sanctified, it's set apart. It's different from any other book. I'll give you another illustration. When the Bible in the Old Testament talks about the holy mountain, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and the presence of God came down on the mountain, before that happened, that mountain was just another mountain. There was nothing special about that mountain in fact if you had looked at it and looked at other mountains mountain peaks you wouldn't have seen any differences but then the presence of god touched that mountain the presence of god suddenly sanctified it and the presence of god set perimeters around it and it was the touch of god that separated and made it different from all other mountains and though it simply looked like another mountain the presence of god made it different from all the others you see, the mountain became Haggios. It became holy. I'll give you my third illustration this morning and it leads us back to where we started, the word saint. Now, if we look at believers, we look, we look all the same, right? Well, granted, we come in different colors, shapes, and sizes, but if you had to put a believe in the middle of a big crowd, we wouldn't really look very, any different to anyone else. In fact, if you had to put a believe in the middle of a street or people walking up and down the street... That believer would just look like another human being amongst many other human beings. However, that believer is different. There's the word hagios. That's what makes him different. He's been touched by the blood of Jesus. He's been touched by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of him. And just like the presence of God came down on the mountain and separated from all other mountains. When the blood of Jesus touches us, when the presence of God touches us... We might look like other people when we're not like other people. Yeah, that's right. The work of God in our life has put perimeters around us. It has separated us. It has sanctified us. It has made us different from others. Not better than other people, I must remind you, just different. You see, we have been chosen and we have been set apart by God for a special purpose. Now what's very important for us to note this morning and you can write this down is that holiness is not our attempt to become righteous. Holiness is not our attempt to become righteous. If we've been holy to become righteous, then we would have a works salvation. Amen? But in fact, we were made righteous in one split second. And that's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. You see, the moment we genuinely repented of sin and expressed our faith in Christ, in one split second God justified us and he declared us righteous. In one split second. Yeah, that's right. It is the gift of God according to Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. Not of works lest lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. And it happens in one split second when we are instantly declared righteous as a result of repentance and faith in God. You see, holiness is not us trying to be righteous. Holiness is the behavior of righteousness. When you're righteous, you behave in a holy way. Holiness in the New Testament church primarily refers to the conduct of a believer. And because he is now righteous, it is natural for him to be holy. That's very important for us to understand as a foundation for what we're speaking about this morning. You see, we are a sanctified people. We are set apart. We are declared different. Clay, my brother, you're different. Frankie, you're different. Andrew, you're different. Esther, you're different. Shawnee, you are very different, my brother. pastor now you're different you're beautiful but you're different <laughs> you see church you may think that you look like everybody else but you're not like everyone else you're separate you're righteous and the behavior of your righteousness is holiness and when you're in right standing with God God expects you to be different he expects you to act different to think different and to talk different right So as Christians, if we look into the mirror, let's say we look into the mirror spiritually. We don't see the fruit of our old life. We see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are we starting to get the picture this morning? What are we perceiving? Are we perceiving our identity and our character in Christ? Are we perceiving our identity and character in our old life? Because we become what we behold. What are we beholding more of? And what platform are we, are we starting off from? Are we starting off the platform that, that Christ has given us, or are we starting from a platform of our old life? That's right. We need to think about that. Yeah, that's true. I want to give you an example about the subject we're talking about this morning in the Bible, and specifically in the church of Corinth. And what's really interesting when you do a bit of a study on the city of Corinth, you will find that it was a city that Julius Caesar wanted to re-establish because a city that was overthrown and laid to ruins but no one wanted to move there because the city was in ruins and so he made a deal with former soldiers former legionnaires former sailors people that were very rough and immoral people let's just call it like it is and he said that if you'll move to the city and become the city's fathers and if you'll help us establish the city he said i'll make a deal with you i'll give you land i'll give you money i'll give you property I'll give you whatever you need. And they said yes. Because they had nothing to lose. And so they began to move. They began to rebuild the city. And the whole city of Corinth was founded by very rough, tough and crude people. People who wanted to make a quick buck. People who would do whatever it took just to get ahead in life. And this city was committed by Julius Caesar to the sex industry. Believe it or not, he actually dedicated it to the sex goddess Aphrodite because he believed he was... A direct descendant of the sex goddess Aphrodite. So he committed the city to all kinds of sexual activity, to homosexuality, to all types of heterosexual activity and prostitution. Everything that you can imagine, it was all in the city of Corinth. This was the time, believe it or not, church, where people came to vacation and then indulged themselves in the flesh industry. Sure. It was kind of the Las Vegas of the day. I suppose you could say, that. So guess what happened in Corinth, stayed in Corinth, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and these were the type of people that made up the church of Corinth. Because the church is representative of the local people of the area, right? And that's why Paul, I think you have a better, better context now if you, you read the book of Corinthians. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he says to them, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you washed, but you sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And he begins by telling them in verse 9 and 10 that who they And he describes them who they were before they came to Christ. And then he says to them, such were some of you. Now I think that's a very mild way of saying, hey church, by the way, that's who all of you were before you, you got saved. You see, that's all that there was to make a church out of in the city of Corinth. That's who they were, but now they're redeemed. Yeah. That's not who they are now. And that's why it says in verse 11, such were some of you, but now you're washed. Now the word washed is a Greek word which points back to a specific concrete moment in time when a thorough washing took place. This was not a long process of being washed. We're talking about a concrete specific moment instantaneously when they were washed. And when did that happen? When they repented of sin? called Jesus Lord, expressed expressed faith in Christ and then the blood of Jesus was applied to their life and in one split second they were washed and they were changed. Amen. 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 And not only were they washed, the verse goes on to say that they were sanctified. And that word sanctified leads us back to our subject because that's a Greek word that's called hagietsa which means to be made holy. And you know, church, if we want our church and our lives to be strong for generations to come. And to move from visitation to habitation. We need to live by a different standard. We need to live by a high standard. You were washed concretely in one specific moment. And as a result, you sanctified. Now you're different. Now you're living by a different standard. You have a different platform to start from. So... What does it mean to be different? It's really just about our behavior, our conduct, our manner of life because we are a righteous people. God holds us to a different standard and God's standard is hagiotso, which is holiness and separateness. It means it's not thinking like the world, not talking like the world, and not behaving like the world. That's the standard that righteous people are to live by. And in fact, when Paul describes to the Corinth has been transformed. You know what he says to them after he tells them that they're washed, they're sanctified, and they're justified? Immediately after that, he says, run from sexual immorality. Flee from sin. Because you're washed, because you're sanctified, and because you're justified. He says, let the state of who you are be reflected in your behavior. Don't hang around with sin. Run from it church the word run simply means this is to move your feet baby and get as fast as you can out of there <laughs> amen you see the church in corinth were faced with these temptations wherever they went because this was the time that was dedicated to sin 24 7. so they had to learn how to act different because they had been accustomed to a lower level kind of life but now that they're righteous god has called them to a holy standard now they need to behave like they've been set apart. <laughs> and then Paul goes on to say this in, in verse 19. He says this to them. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. He's talking about their temple. You see, Paul realized that we need to live holy lives we want the Holy Spirit in us to demonstrate and manifest His holy presence. We need to accommodate Him by providing an atmosphere that is holy. Church, the Holy Spirit shows up where He's comfortable. And the Holy Spirit is comfortable where there is a different, consecrated, sanctified way of life. And God wants us to live according to that standard. But this topic of holiness is so important to Paul. He, he continues to talk about it in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, where he says this. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. This is the will of God. Even that you live different. Even that you live by a different standard, a higher standard. That you take the high road. And then he tells us concretely that you abstain from sin. You know, I heard a story about a pastor that was, was counseling a particular young brother that kept on falling into sexual sin. And he would come and see the pastor in his office and he would, he would weep and he would cry and he would feel so remorseful about what he did. But he would keep on falling into the same sexual sin over and over. And finally the pastor asked him, where are you when the sexual sin usually takes place? He said, well, pastor, I'm usually at my girlfriend's apartment. And the pastor said to him, Have you ever thought that maybe you shouldn't go there? That maybe you should put some space between you and that environment? Don't go there so you can't sin. So the young man replied and said, What do you mean, Pastor? You think God wants me to run from this? No, I need to stay there and prove that I'm strong. He said, My brother, I hate to tell you this, but you're obviously proving that you're not very strong. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Don't go there. Put some kind of barrier between you and that thing. So that you don't cross the line. In other words, abstain. Now, the word abstain simply means this putting space between yourself and that thing. That's what it means. It's not some holy word. That's just putting a space between yourself and that thing. Yeah, that's right. You see, Paul gets really practical here. He says, yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to do all these things. But we also need to use our brains. Put space between yourself and your sin. Don't hang out in those environments where you're tempted to drink or you're tempted to take drugs or get involved in fornication. Don't go where you're tempted to sin. Put space between you and your temptation. And church, this can apply to any sin that can separate us from, from a holy life. I'm not picking on any specific sins because all sin is the same in the sight of God. But you see, it's got to be practical. Paul says this in verse 4. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And what Paul is saying here is that this is not just a theoretical application, this is practical. See, there are practical skills that you can put into place that will help you live a consecrated life. And church, we're not trying to be legalistic here. We're just trying to use common sense, use our brains so that we can live according to a high standard. And remember when I say high standard, I'm not saying like a high standard that the world would see, that you're better than someone. I'm talking about a God standard. And when you're right standing with God, He puts us all on the same level. Amen? And by the way, if you decide that you can live by a lower standard, you're falling short of what God expected of you. If we're making exceptions, if we are making exceptions, why are we doing that? It's like the Lord saying, you know, I prepared a feast for you. I prepared a feast for you that is fit for a king, but you just become satisfied with the crumbs that are falling from the table. We of all people should not be making exceptions. And you know what it is? It's just really being responsible for your righteous life and the behavior of holiness. It's not trying to become righteous, you are righteous. It's you just trying to live out your righteousness in a holy way. Amen? Does that make sense? When the verse says that each of us need to know how to possess his own vessel, what it's really saying is each of us need to learn how to manage his body, to manage his life, how to be separate, how to be holy, how to live differently and in honor. And you see, it has to be practical. Otherwise, what we do is we start to over-spiritualize things, and we start to make little compromises along the way. And we don't want to do anything that will compromise the Holy Spirit from moving from visitation to habitation. I want to leave a few practical examples with you this morning before I go. Something that you can relate to in your own life. When the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence and finds a permanent dwelling place or a place of habitation, there would be an expression of Him in that place, right? In my home, there are certain expressions of my personality as well as as Pastor Renau's personality. There is certain flair, there are certain colors, smells, decor, etc., So for example, if you had to come into our home, you would see the color pink in a lot of our decor and flowers throughout the house. Why? Because my wife lives there. And that's naturally an expression of her personality. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. When He makes residence in us, there should be an expression of Him in us. We should see His personality expressed in us. An example would be the fruit or the characteristics of the Spirit. We become an expression or a manifestation of these. You see church holiness is an expression or an outworking of our righteousness. You know if you've ever rented a home and when you rent a home oftentimes the landlord will give you specific instructions that you cannot paint the walls, you can't paint the doors and you can't hang up pictures all over the walls. So you can't really get comfortable. You can't put things up that, that show an expression of who you are, of your personality. The same thing happens when we treat the Holy Spirit as a visitor or a tenant. We don't get in the freedom to change things around and have His expression. Yeah, that's right. That's good. You know, maybe, maybe your, if it was your own home, you would paint the walls grey and the doors white. But if you move into your rented home, the walls are white and the doors are green. You live there, but it's not a true reflection of you. The same thing happens when we treat the Holy Spirit as a visitor or a tenant. He lives in us, but if we don't align to change things in us, then what everyone else sees about us is not a true reflection of the Spirit of God. You see, there has has to be a noticeable difference in our lives, church. There has to be something different. If we've given our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus, we can't be the same. Because we, you know, the Holy Spirit inside us, we are full. we are occupied, we are ruled... We are governed and led by the Spirit of God. This is why in in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Be holy as I'm holy. God knew that we couldn't achieve this on our own. He knew that. That's why He says, I'm filling you with my spirit. Become an expression of me. You're a different spirit, You're you're a different kind. You have a different nature. You're different. We are the peculiar people of God, is what Peter says in First Peter chapter 2. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, that word peculiar means it means holy. It means different. It means unique and separate. Now, if you're one of those people in life where you feel like you, you're weird and peculiar and you're different because you're a Christian, if that's you, I want to tell you rejoice. Rejoice in that fact. Because that's exactly right. You are different than everybody else. And you don't have to apologize about that or even feel badly about that. Amen? (laughs) You're supposed to be different from everyone else because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus and you've been declared righteous. And that righteousness has separated you and it's made you holy. Yeah, that's right. Is this helping you, church? Very quiet out there. Yeah, we're listening. And if we as the church are going to be strong now for generations to come, now and for generations to come, there has to be an atmosphere of holiness. And the church has to be committed to that atmosphere. That means the the church is not going to be worldly. That means the church is going to think like God, it's going to act like God, and it's going to function according to God's standard. And it's okay that it's going to be different. It's okay. Because that creates an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit says, wow, that's wonderful. And the Holy Spirit can express himself freely in that type of environment. A place where he can truly express himself and we will see the the outpouring of that, the outworking of that in the form of signs and wonders. Yeah, that's right. It's okay that you're different. Remember the the world isn't changed by people, by normal people who go with the flow. The world is changed by those who are different and those who are set apart for a special purpose. Your difference to the world will bring It'll bring hope, it will bring restoration, it will bring healing, it will bring life, it will bring peace, it will bring joy, and it will bring love to a world that is crying out for, for more, for hope. People are going to think that you're weird, they're going to think that you're strange. People are going to think that you're weird and peculiar because you're not clubbing anymore, or you're not smoking a joint with them anymore. They're going to think that you're weird because... You are now ministering to the people who were in the same life as you just a year ago. They're going to think that you're peculiar because now you're heading up a home cell, When just four years ago, your only home was under a bridge. They're going to think that you're weird because two years ago, you lived the life of fornication. Weekend after weekend. But now you're committed to keep yourself pure until you find your husband or your wife. That's different. That's weird. It's peculiar, but... It's a God type of peculiar. And I don't know about you two, but I don't want to be like the rest of the world. I want to be different. Yeah. I want to be different so that I can make a difference. Yeah, you know, you can live your whole life trying to please people. But no matter how hard you try, you can't please everyone. But remember, you can please God. No matter how hard you try, you can't please everyone, but you can please God. Paul said for we speak as messages who have been approved by god to be trusted with the good news our purpose is to what he said our purpose is to please god not people now if you want what normal people want or what normal people have do what normal people do but if you want what few people have do what few people do when you follow christ you will be different, you will be separate, you will be holy and you will be persecuted. The Bible tells us that. Yeah, it's true. But I want to tell you, don't worry when you're persecuted for, for righteousness sake. Yeah. I'd say rather worry when you're not. Yeah. Worry yeah. when you're not. Because that means that you're just going with the flow of the normal crowd. I'm going to close with this this morning. Find comfort when they call you weird or peculiar. Find comfort in that. Because let's face it, normal just isn't working. Right? And when you're led by the Holy Spirit, and when you become a place of habitation, peculiar is way better than normal. Amen? Church, we are different. We are peculiar. And we are set apart to become a place of habitation. Can we just give the Lord a hand for His Word this morning?